Lord, we, we enjoy your presence in this place. You are here to bless us, to speak to us. And as you speak, prepare our heart and mind with the sense of humility to accept the word of God in obedience, not only as information, but something that transforms the way we think, the way we act. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen. This is part of the series. We're, we're doing like a mini-series on Christmas. We're going to talk about people whose life really intersects with Christmas in, in a significant way. Last time we talked about Mary and how Mary is, is involved in Christmas, obviously. And what can we learn from Mary? Today we are going to learn from the story that involves two people and how they responded to the story of Christmas. So let us read from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magis from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem, they were all disturbed together with Herod. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them here uh, where the Messiah was uh, to be born. In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means last among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and uh, the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and mirth. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. So there are people from the east, they're from a land far away, they're not Jewish, they're not Israelites. They came to Israel and they said, where is this king? We have seen a, a sign, a prophecy that a king is to be born in Bethlehem. And they asked around, eventually, the news got to Herod, who was the king back then. Now, can you imagine if you're the king of an area and someone comes to you and say, where is the king? Uh, I want to worship the king. He, he was just born. Your first reaction would be, wait, I'm the king. Is there another king? That is treason. That is political suicide. That's, that's against the law because I am the king. It's unlawful for other people to be the king. Who is this king? That's why Herod was... What word does Matthew use to describe his feeling and his response? What did he feel? He feel disturbed. He feel disturbed. And not only him, but also people in Jerusalem. They were disturbed. They are shocked. This is a shocking news. This is not some you know small news. This is national-wide, international even. When I say international, the fact that not only people in Israel, but people from out of Israel came to worship the king. This king's recognition must have gone beyond its political boundaries, the, the boundaries of Israel. So that is big news. This is, this is shocking news. This is 
this is news. It, it it made the headline not only Herod was disturbed, but the entire city of Jerusalem was disturbed. But then, in the other end of the spectrum, we see the Magi. How how do they respond to the news? They responded positively. They have come. What have what is the purpose of their visit to Jerusalem? To worship. And then here I want to compare between two people. Herod the king and the Magi. One was disturbed by the news, but the other one came to worship. I just want to leave you with this short reflection, and that is probably the gist of my sermon today. So if you can even leave now, basically you know about 80%. Uh when when we were a kid, maybe even until now, sometimes we play this silly game called what if, right? What if you're a car, what car will you be? Some people say, oh, I'm going to be a BMW. If I were a car, I think I'm Tesla, something like that, right? And sometimes kids ask, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? You know, like, oh, I'm I'm a camel because I like to drink or something like that. I'm a dolphin because I like to sing. I don't know, that's not scientific. but. And if I want to ask you, if Jesus were a fruit, what would he be? Grape, why? It means Jesus wine. Okay, lah. Okay. It can be connected. Dragon fruit. Why dragon fruit? Because it's expensive. I think, in a sense, if Jesus were a fruit, he would be a durian, because durian is very divisive. Most people either they, when they hate it, they they really hate it. They like they cannot smell it, but when people love durian, they they really love. It. And I think Jesus is like that. Would you believe me if I say that Jesus is the most divisive figure in history? Wars have been fought because of this man. Wrongly, in the, in the account of Christianity. Conflicts has happened. Divisions, countries, politically, families. Jesus is the most divisive figure in history. People's opinion on who Jesus is matters. That, that changed the course of history since 2,000 years ago. Kingdoms, countries, tribes, it changes everything. Jesus is, is really that divisive. And in here, in the story, I think it represents two different ends of people's response. Number one, when they heard the news that Jesus is coming, people could feel disturbed. How many of you think that Christianity is disturbing? Christianity in its real form is not some meek and innocent news that is easy to chew and digest. Christianity is actually quite disturbing. It is politically incorrect. It will bring division. And Jesus has warned us about that. I think the episode represents really well how the whole world will respond to this baby king. Jesus didn't make a shy entrance. We often think that, you know, he's born in a lowly manger. It was so quiet. It was There was an uproar when Jesus was born. He made a bold entry. He wasn't born as nobody. He was born as king. Right? People came to worship him. And that represents who Jesus is. The news of Christianity we have to preach is this. That Jesus has come as king. And he hasn't given us much options. What do you do in the face of a king? You can bow down in worship or you can ignore and that is classified as rebellion. You cannot do a half bow. Either you bow in full or you rebel. 
Jesus comes. It is disturbing. It is politically incorrect. It causes sedition, division. And Herod, he was disturbed. I think whenever we share the news about Christianity, whenever we share the gospel in its true form, it is quite disturbing. Christians like to wear, uh, you know, jewelry or necklace. Usually, what do we wear? The, the sign of a cross. What is the cross? The cross is a torture device. It's, a, it's an execution device. For us, it's so normal, so nice, the cross. If you had a time machine and you go back to the first century and you walk around wearing a cross necklace, it'll be like people now walking around with a necklace of you know, electric chair. It's a symbol of execution. Why would you do that? That's not, it's not what the jewelries are supposed to be. But up front, since the beginning, it is, it is confronting. You can never whitewash the story of Christianity. It is divisive. It is, it is strong in flavor. It's not subtle. Why is it disturbing? Because in a sense, like I said, Herod was, was not nobody. He was the king. And when the king heard that another king was born, he felt threatened. His authority is threatened. If we read on the story, what did he do? He was mad. He was angry. Herod was angry that the, the Magi didn't tell him where Jesus was. So in his desperate measure to find this new king, he killed all the infant boys in Bethlehem. There was an infanticide. We, we often think of Christmas as this happy, jolly season. The first Christmas was quite dark. It was marked with babies being killed. And why did Herod do that? Because he felt that this is my authority, this is my kingdom, and you have come as king. Christianity is preached as Jesus come, the kingdom come. When the kingdom come, he comes as king. He doesn't come to be a second-class citizen. How many of us realize that Jesus has come to our life as king and not as an advisor? We can treat him as such. Jesus, come into my life and be my helper. When I need you, I will ask you. you know, like Ginny when you... Oh no, I'm in trouble. Rub, rub, rub. Come to Ginny. Help. But he has come as king, which means that we don't get to call him. He gets to call us. And the answer is yes, here I am. And that is not a nice news. It was disturbing for heaven. And it should be disturbing for all of us. Christianity is, like I said, politically incorrect because what it's it's exclusive in a sense it's inclusive that it invites everyone but the answer to that invitation determines whether you're included or not and people say that is exclusive call it whatever we want politically incorrect yes but that is the gospel we can try to redefine christianity and don't get me wrong many have tried Many theologians even have tried to rewrite to reframe what christianity is we may have an idea you know these words, they're a bit harsh in the Bible. Like, I wish we could edit some, make it more nicer. There is this thing called hell. This is not nice. This is not kind. Let us erase that. What if everyone just go to heaven? There's this thing called retribution. There's this thing called vengeance, the, the wrath of God. This is not nice. This is not loving. Let us let us uh, do a white out on it and just present Christianity as a nice and loving religion. Jesus as nice and kind, you know, going around, touching people, healing. I love you. Hey, you're so cool. Everywhere with his long hair, carrying a stick and a lamb. And 
this is the this is the Jesus that we love. This is the Jesus that always preached love. And many people they do, they think they understand Christianity and they try to rewrite Christianity. This is this is Christianity. It's supposed to be like that, nice and kind and loving. But the truth is, since the beginning, the king came and he brought division. The story of Christianity is divisive. Whether you respond to him in an act of worship or you rebel against him. Many philosophers and authors had said that, oh, this Jesus is a man. He is a good person. We like his teaching. But I wonder if they do understand the teaching of Jesus. One time, uh, this is a true story, in the 4th century, that there's a guy named Anthony. He, he's actually quite famous. He became a saint. Anthony, he's sanctified. He's uh, canonized by the Roman Catholic Church as saint. Saint Anthony, he was a really godly man. And he, he went to meditate in the wilderness for many, many years. He tried to seclude himself. But even then, his wisdom and his spirituality was so famous that people started to come to him for the spiritual advice. One time comes to him some really wise Greek philosophers. And Anthony asks, why have you come to see me? And the philosophers said, because we have heard that you are a wise man. That's why we have come. And Anthony replied them, no, you don't really believe that I'm a wise man. You think I'm a fool. And the philosopher said, why, why would you say that? Because if you know that I'm wise, you will follow my example and do what I do, and believe what I believe. We think Jesus is a good man. Many people out there, non-Christians, yeah, 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 Jesus, he's a good moral teacher. He's a good man. But do you really think it is possible to think of Jesus as just a good man? There's a really famous quote by C.S. Lewis. He says this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. You know many people out there, they're, they're okay to say, Jesus is a good teacher. You can follow his teaching. Good. Slap the left cheek, give the right cheek, love your enemy. You know, all, many good things. But C.S. Lewis it's impossible to say that he's just a good moral teacher. A man who was merely a man and said, the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. Do you realize that Jesus often say crazy things in the Bible? Tear down the temple and I will rebuild in three days. Someone sick come to him, heal me, and said, your sin is forgiven. That's crazy. Only God can do that. He, is, he has this, uh, if he's just a man, then he has psychological problem. He's a megalomaniac. He's a lunatic. He's a liar. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can spit on him, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus was never shy to receive worship. He admits that he was God. And faced with God, the King of Kings, you cannot take a middle road. Okay, he's, he's a good man. How can he be good if he's saying all these crazy things? Either they true and he is God or he's just a madman. We have to choose. Who is Jesus for us? The story of Christmas, it was a story of division. People were divided over the response. But I want to invite all of us today to be like the Magi, the wise men from the East. They have come to worship at the feet of Jesus. It is quite disturbing when our authority is being challenged 
And Jesus has come to be king. So that we are no longer king over our lives. This is not a fun news. This is good news. This is not a fun news. This is not nice. And how do you say that to people? But that is the truth. We often try to gloss it, make the message more suitable for the hearers. It's kind of sweeter. But let us not forget, Christmas is a story of a coming king. How are you going to respond to this king? He is, like C.S. Lewis says, he is either a lunatic and a madman, or he is really what he says he is, king of kings, lord of lords. Either you worship him or you dismiss him. You cannot take the middle ground and say, he's, he's a good moral teacher. I'm, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a good teacher, but I'm not going to worship him. He's not God. He's not God. The Muslims have no problem saying Jesus was a prophet. Isa is a prophet, but he's not God, not God. But you cannot say that. But if Jesus is saying the things that he's saying, how can he be a good prophet? He's a liar. Either he is God or he's not. It's crazy, that's all. He didn't leave any much option for us open. He never intended to. Who is Jesus for us? Is he coming to our life as the king or no one? Jesus actually said the same things. In Matthew 10, what did Jesus say? Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Another of Jesus' difficult sayings, quite many of them. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his house, his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is one example. Do you think this sounds like a good moral teacher? Either he has a Messiah complex or he is really the Messiah. Either he has a God complex or maybe God has a Jesus complex. Or he is really God. Uh, I mentioned in a Bible class, there's a book written by a Jewish rabbi named Jacob Neuschner. And in, his, in the book, he imagines walking with Jesus, him being a Jewish rabbi talking to Jesus. Talking about many things, about the commands in the Bible, about the Torah, about the New Testament, uh, comparing the Jewish law against the things that Jesus says. And in the end, Jacob Nushner comes to a conclusion that I cannot accept Jesus as God. I cannot accept his claim to be God. He is good, I like his teaching, but I cannot accept him to be God. Why? He said, because Jesus demands the things that only God can demand. Family is a sacred institution formed by God. If there's a person that could redefine the boundaries of families, must be God himself. Whoever loves his mother and father more than me, not worthy of me. Why? Because Jesus is above. The Jewish law was so keen on Sabbath. If you read the, the Old Testament, rules on Sabbath, there's not just one verse. There's so many passages about uh, governing how you do your Sabbath day. If you've been to Israel, you know uh, the hotels in Israel, they have a Sabbath elevator. You don't even need to push the button. You cannot push the button. You, you just wait. They're so strict about, about Sabbath. But Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. If he's not God, then who is he? That's why Jacob knows that he comes to a conclusion. I cannot accept the claims of Jesus 
He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good rabbi. He's demanding too much. And and God has come to our lives not to demand a little, but for us to give Him everything. This baby king didn't come in a in a in a shy way. I'm just going to make a a modest entrance. He made a, a grand entrance. Angels were singing. People from the East, noble people. The Magi were not poor people. They were uh, they are highly respected in the Eastern government. They came to worship. The kings were were shaken. The cities were troubled. He has come as king. That's the news of Christmas. We can package it nicely to make it more politically correct. But then we would have to water it down. We would have to compromise it. The truth is, when we say, when we preach the gospel that Jesus is king, it will be offensive. It will be divisive. Since the first Christmas, it's always been like that. It's designed to be like that. The moment we can successfully preach the gospel without offending people, we may have preached the wrong message. It should be offensive. It's it's meant to be like that. It's not nice to our ears, tainted by sinful nature. Our authority will be challenged. We will be disturbed. We will be provoked. We will not hear it and say, I'll, I'll think about it. Because if we understood the gravity of it, the seriousness of it, what it demands, you are being faced with the king. What are you going to do? Are you going to ignore him? Are you going to bow? Are you going to do a half bow? Are you going to run away? Whatever response is a response. No answer is an answer. You can worship him or not. That's a simple message I want to share with you today. How are you going to respond to the story of Christmas? He comes. Yes, let's celebrate. He's a good man. It's impossible to do that. Either he has come as kings, or he had come as a madman, claiming things that he shouldn't claim, saying things that he shouldn't say. Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe what he says is true? The implication of this is not only that how we respond to God, but like I've been mentioning a couple of times more, this is also a representation of how people will respond to Christian message. Those who are elected by God to receive the message will bow down and worship. They will know. They will know. There's something. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. They will know. Something will will tell them that this is this is a king coming and speaking to me. But people will reject the message. Will scoff at and and be challenged and be disturbed, and even resort to violence like Herod did. Or or worse, people will uh, ignore. Like I said, no answer is an answer. Because the verse says not only Herod was disturbed, but the entire city of Jerusalem was disturbed. What did they do? They're not in the story. They didn't come to worship, but they didn't. Well, they were just apathetic. And people will do that as well. But that is also a response to the king. You cannot ignore him. It is also rebellion. It's worship or not. Maybe as you're listening to this message, God is nudging your heart and asks, Who am I in your life? Just a good religious spiritual teacher who's teaching you occasionally handpick. Or am I a king that has the power and authority to command your life? 
do you look at my teaching and say I'm going to edit some or do you take everything as is and learn to trust him for who he is and what he says if Christianity was easy if Christianity was not confronting throughout the 2000 years of its history there would be no persecution it would easily be accepted by people If it were that nice and loving as human minds would have defined it, it wouldn't be like today. But the truth is the truth. It's based on the character of God and we shall do nothing to reduce it. He has come as king or as nothing. If Jesus is your king and you believe that he died for you, He rose again to give you eternal life. Out of the responses we have heard in this story, can I implore you to respond to him as the wise men did? They have come to worship him. Would you come and give him your worship? A wholehearted worship, not just a partial worship. Would you like to accept him as king and to say, Jesus, what you say matters more than anything I could hear from this world? You are worthy to receive all worship. We praise your name.